Hello and welcome to the St. Mark's podcast. Whether you regularly join us at church on Sundays or you're joining us for the very first time, we hope that this week's talk inspires you and draws you closer to Jesus. Brilliant. Well, morning again. Welcome to St. Mark's. Great to be celebrating today with Phoebe and Ben and Emma, uh, the gift that she is to them. Well, this term we've been in a series called Patterns, and it's all about learning to be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what Jesus did, or do what Jesus does. And so we've been working through um, some different rhythms, different patterns to help us through this crazy journey that we call life. Now, this isn't about getting all religious. This isn't about forming religious practices to be good people or good Christians. This is about being aware of the presence of Jesus in our lives because Jesus makes a difference in our lives. And sometimes we, we're so busy cracking on and getting on with things that we can miss those beautiful divine moments. And I was actually going to do this, uh, this talk uh, this morning. I'd like to talk about um, patterns of daily life. I was going to do this near on a month ago. Uh, and then uh, cycling in, as I do, as, as a sort of regular pattern and rhythm that I have uh, into work on the Thursday morning, came flying off my bike and uh, broke my arm. And uh, it somewhat scuppered the plans that I had. We didn't scupper the, the plans for the rest of the day because I cracked on, of course, uh, in pain. Um, but it scuppered. Uh, the next few weeks as I learned to deal with an arm in plaster from here to here. You'll be pleased to know, look, it's, it's moving. Uh, it's fine. We're, we're four weeks in. We're all good. Um, so this morning, I'm going to talk a bit about that. And funnily enough, I felt God speaking to me about uh, where he is, where his presence is in my day-to-day -day life. But more importantly, uh, was I aware of what God was doing? So uh, as I had to change my pattern and my rhythm. I could no longer cycle. I couldn't actually drive either. couldn't easily get the car in gear. I had to get the bus, which was novel in itself for me. And uh, each morning I went down to the bus stop at a certain time in a certain place and waited for the bus. And that was fine. did that on Monday. And then Tuesday came and I did the same thing again. And Wednesday came and I did the same thing again. And what I started to notice was the same rhythms and patterns were emerging in front of my very eyes. I saw the sort of same cars come around at the same time the same people walking to the bus stop, the same sort of chatter taking place and topic of conversation at the bus stop. And I thought, wow, I am seeing life in this part of, of the place we live, of the community, from a totally different perspective. I've never seen it before. It was something that I was totally unaware of. I've been past that bus stop many times, but not at that time in that place around those people. And it got me thinking about how each of us are uniquely placed in our, wherever we find ourselves in the week, in our workplaces, in our, uh, in our schools, in our communities, we are uniquely placed to see things, to see people, to see situations, and more importantly, to see where Jesus is present and at work in those places. Have you ever thought about that, that all of those day-to-day -day rhythms and places you find yourselves are deeply significant? That that God may have placed you in those places, that he may have placed you around those people uniquely to be his presence, to be his hands and his feet, but, but maybe also just to observe how Jesus makes a difference and is present in some quite ordinary situations. 
And it got me thinking, you know, what if I was more aware of the presence of Jesus around me each day, day in, day out? What if, what if we could see the patterns of God at work in our daily lives so that we might encounter his love, learn to live more like him and be empowered to go by the Holy Spirit to see lives and communities transformed around us? Sometimes we wait for the the big thing, the big spiritual experience, the the big breakthrough from the clouds for God to be at work in our lives, all those wow moments we have where we think, wow, God's really at work here. But sometimes, and I believe always actually, God is always at work, day in, day out, but we don't always notice it. Now you might uh, be thinking, wow, Matt has such a boring life. He stands at the bus stop, he comes into work, he does a few things, he goes home again. The most exciting thing that's happened to Matt in the last three weeks is he fell off his bike. Maybe your life is full of everyday adventure and thrill. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you're into extreme sports. Maybe you're jet-setting around the world. Uh, Maybe you're trying to keep the paparazzi at bay because there's so much stuff going on for you. But most of us probably are more like bus stop people day-to-day life going on, going from one thing to the next. I mean, take Phoebe. If Phoebe's life was a movie, how would we pitch it? Behold, the life of a baby, the shouts of joy, the cry for attention, the catapulting of Weetabix against the kitchen wall. And to top it off, yes, it's the dreaded nappy, the punami. Countless wipes sacrificed for the cause the washing machine, collateral damage to the soiled baby grows. And at the end of the day, Phoebe goes to bed and then wakes for a feed and then goes to bed and then wakes for another feed and then goes back to bed and then needs a nappy change. The thing is, our everyday lives can seem really boring. We think everyone else's life is amazing that God couldn't possibly be at work in our day today. I think Hollywood is horribly overrated and very unrealistic. So if anything, if you're switching off at this point, just know in your day-to-day life, in your comings and your goings, Jesus is present and he's at work. But would you just stick with me for a moment so I can encourage us to spot where he's at work and so that we can join in with that. Can I just ask you a question? If you were to look back at the week you've just lived, whether it's been normal or quite something else, where have you seen God at work in your daily life? And how has that drawn you closer to Jesus? Where did you go? Who did you meet? What conversations did you have? What chance encounters did you have? Perhaps there were moments for you where you thought, goodness, that was out of the ordinary. Wasn't it funny that I bumped into this person? Or isn't it interesting how I noticed this taking place? I wondered, did you get an opportunity to pray with someone? Maybe share your faith or just give a reason for your faith in Jesus and the difference he makes? Or was it just another week racing around from one thing to another? I know that we can have those sort of weeds, but what if we notice something different? So, 
What can we do to become more aware of the presence of Jesus in our lives? Well, there are loads of things I could say, but I'm not going to say loads of things. But one thing I'm going to point us to is just a tool that I've found uh, is helpful to help guide us through the week and to become more aware of God's presence. And it is called the examine, the examine. And it's just one tool that will help us. The examine is not so much something we do in our lives, like, I don't know, we sometimes intentionally do a bit of Bible reading to draw closer to Jesus, or we might do a bit of prayer to help build a rhythm of spirituality in our lives and draw us closer. But the examine is a tool that's more like an attitude of mind. It's a way of thinking or mindfulness, we we might call it, a way to reflect, a way to look back in order to go forward. So where did this idea of the examine come from? And by the way, just in the front of your chairs, I've printed you some little examine cards for you to take away. So uh, do take one of those. Uh, You might find it helpful if the screen is playing up on you. But let me just tell you a little bit about the method and where it's come from. So this pattern of reflecting back in order to go forward was popularized by a fellow called Ignatius of Loyola. Ignatius, great name, by the way. If Phoebe had been a boy... Ignatius, yeah. (laughs) He was born in 1491 and he served as a soldier. In fact, he wasn't just a soldier. He was more of like a knight of the realm. That was his his status. And he was wounded in a battle called Pamplona in 1521. And he ended up in the battle damaging his legs. Uh, And they sort of did those sort of battlefield uh, repairs on his legs. And when he got home back to his palace, he wasn't overly impressed with the sort of the fix on his legs. So he spent an awful lot of time having them uh, sort of amended and he saw lots of physicians and trying to get his legs looking good. And it was really important as a, he was a Basque nobleman, this, this knight figure, uh, very important that when he wore tights, his legs looked really good. So he was quite vain, uh, but he was desperate to look good in tights again. I mean, <laughs> wow. So, uh, so he went through all sorts of crazy surgery to fix his legs, but it took an awful lot of time to repair, and he spent a lot of time in bed. And a lot of time in bed meant a lot of time to think. So what was he thinking about, Ignatius? He was thinking largely about how to win over the girl of his dreams. That's what he was thinking about in bed. Uh, He also did some reading. He worked through the library in the palace and he read all of that, but he was still bored. He was still waiting for his legs to get fixed up. And his sister came to him and she gave him two new books that weren't on his bookshelf. The first book was The Life of Christ. The second book was the life of the saints. In other words, people following Jesus and living that Jesus lifestyle. And he was quite reluctant at first, but he said, I'll take the books. I'll read those books. So he sits there in bed and he starts reading the books. And he found himself deeply inspired and moved by these saints whose lives had been changed by Jesus. And his thought wasn't, wow, I need Jesus in my life. His thought was, I could do what they do. If I do what the saints do, then I'm going to be quite something. He was basically driven by his own ego. Amazingly, Jesus was there. He worked through the ego of Ignatius. And uh, as Ignatius took time to reflect on these readings, um, he started to draw a comparison between the life of this Basque nobleman and the life of the saints. And what he found was that when he invested his time in thinking about the girl of his dreams and how to make money and how to have prestige, the feelings didn't last. 
he was left wanting. But as he reflected on the life of the saints, this Jesus lifestyle, and as he started to do some of these things, he was left feeling full. It didn't go away. There was this inexpressible joy. He was changing. So he started to be changed by this new way of thinking that led him to be with Jesus and recognize the presence of Jesus in his day-to-day life, even though his life was so boring, he was stuck in bed. He was still able to do something. And it was a break from this cycle of the lifestyle that he had known and grown up with. Somehow God had used his less-than-ideal tight-legs thing and done something far longer-lasting. And one thing he noticed is that the more he thought about these godly things, the more his heart changed. And and then the more his actions changed. It went from head to heart to lifestyle. Just going to press into that. What does it mean to have a change of mind, heart, and action? Let's have a look at our, our passage from Matthew 11, 25 to 30. I'll just pop that up on the screen. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of all heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then he says, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. What does it tell us? It tells us that these things, these spiritual truths are hidden largely from those driven by ego and their own pursuit, but are revealed to those who are childlike. Note the difference between childlike and childish. Childlike is to have an open heart, an open mind, a a trust towards God. So as we approach him, we approach him like children. I, I love that my children don't sort of hold back in asking for things. In, in fact, they just come and ask for everything. They also have no sense of sort of embarrassment either. I don't know if you found this, if you've got small children in your life or nieces or nephews, um, they seem to have no shame. They, just anything comes out. I'm not going to embarrass my children in front of everyone and go into specifics. But as adults, we can hold back and we don't always ask for what we need. We have this sort of self-sufficiency about us, or sometimes it's driven by pride, or maybe even uh, selfishness. You know, I don't need God to help me. I'll deal with my own problems. Thank you very much. And yet we're invited to come and to know the Father and to approach him like little children. And Jesus' invitation to all who will come to him in order to know the Father is to take his yoke upon them, to put their trust in him. Jesus uses this word, take my yoke upon you, verse 29. A yoke was an interpretation of the scriptures that would be held by a rabbi, by one of the religious leaders. Jesus says, take my interpretation, my understanding of the scriptures on you. And do you know what it is? You can know the Father through me. Come and understand that, you'll find rest for your souls. A yoke is also a way of holding the burden, sharing a burden. Jesus says, don't do that on your own. Don't don't take the burden of life on your own, on your own shoulders. Share it with me. We'll do it side by side. That's the beauty of a yoke. You have to do it side by side. Jesus says, walk with me. Let's hold the weight together. Let's share the yoke. Let's do life together. 
And so we see Ignatius discovering this revelation. There's Ignatius, the man in the tights, thinking of the girl of his dreams and being a nobleman. And, and Ignatius starts to take upon himself the yoke. He starts to walk with Jesus. He star- starts to find rest for his soul. He starts to find a change in mind and heart and lifestyle that doesn't leave him wanting. So let me introduce you to the examiners at all that will help us become more aware of Jesus in our day-to-day lives. It is, in a way, the ultimate solution to what do I pray about? If you've never prayed before, or you don't pray very often, you're thinking, well, how does that work? The examiner is a great way to pray. And what do we pray about? Well, quite simply, everything that's happened to us in our day. Let's remember that prayer is not just about saying stuff to God or talking at God. It's about listening to what he has to say to us. It's about being with him. And you might have the impression that your life is same old, same old, like that movie I pitched for Phoebe, although I'm sure her life is more exciting than I could do it justice. Daily life is rich and meaningful. Every encounter we have, every challenge we face, every disappointment that we go through, and every delight is a place where God can be found. And we can use Ignatius's little tool here to help us look back and see where God has been at work. So in short steps, we're just going to talk about briefly. Firstly, pause, be still. Secondly, give thanks. Thirdly, reflect back. Fourthly, pray. And fifthly, is that a word? Look forward. So let's just begin, pause. We start as we look back by pausing. Before we do anything, and by the way, if you're doing this practice, I would suggest just find yourself 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a quiet corner somewhere uh, to go through these steps. Pause. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. In other words, stop what you're doing, slow the mind down and be still. Seek the presence of God. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and rest on you. Clear your mind of other thoughts and concerns. You know, it might be that you, in order to do this, need to find yourself a bit of a safe space. It might be a room in the house that's away from distraction. It might be a park bench that you can go and sit on. It might be locking yourself in the car away from the kids. Even then, they seem to find you. I don't know why. It might be going to the shed. But stop and pause. Become aware of his presence. Secondly, give thanks. Consider the day that you've just lived as a gift from God. And with that attitude of gratitude, give thanks to God for who he is before you start slipping into bringing your requests to him. Just thank God for his lordship. Thank you that he reigns. Thank you that when we're out of control, he's steady. A few weeks back on the prayer course, we're doing a prayer course here on Wednesday mornings, and we're watching some videos, and the guy who was leading that, a guy called Pete Gregg, used this analogy of a microscope and a telescope. And he said, so often in our world, we look through the microscope, and what we see is what's immediately in front of us. Our our issues, our problems within our world, it's very limited, and that can be quite a scary place. And he said, in prayer, It's like, when we begin praying, it's like looking through a telescope. We suddenly become more aware of God at work in the world 
around us. And we realize that sometimes what we see in the immediate is very small compared to what is happening in the wider world. It's a good perspective and a push against the sort of, I don't know, um, self-centered world that we can sometimes live in or that culture and to look at something far beyond ourselves. It's also reassuring that when we think we've got problems, that God is so much bigger and he sees those problems, but he can also handle the entire cosmos. And so um, a, great, you know, a great way to pray is, is to look through that perspective, through the telescope, to see the vastness of creation, to see the wonder of who God is in his character, and just to give thanks. So pause, give thanks. Thirdly, reflect back. This is the movie part, by the way, the movie part. If your imagination allows, and I know that some of us have got quite vivid imaginations, you might struggle a bit with that. If you can, recall the day that you've just lived and pay attention to what stands out. You might just close your eyes and just sort of picture what's happened to you. And take note of your emotions. What is it that's standing out to you? What is it that that hits you and stirs you as you reflect back? And a great prayer, I think, to hold in mind is the one that Sarah read to us from Psalm 139. It's this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As we reflect back, as we replay that movie, it's not just about taking stock of our comings and goings. It's about allowing God intimate access to our thought life, to the condition of our heart, to our intentions and our actions. And it's an incredibly vulnerable place to be, to give God access to that and to allow him to speak in grace into the most intimate parts of our lives and our intentions. It's in that place that he starts to stir the desires of our hearts and shows us the unique part that we have to play within his world within the place we are uniquely placed. So we can reflect back and allow the Holy Spirit to highlight those things in our lives that we need to be aware of and allow those desires to be stirred. So we've got pause, give thanks, reflect back, and now pray. This is the moment, as you've looked back, pick something that stood out to you the most and pray about it. What is it that stuck out most clearly for you? What is it that's challenged you the most? What is it that got your heart racing? What made you squirm? What is it you need to face up to from the day you've just lived? And this is our opportunity to confess our shortcomings, whether it be an action, something we've done, or something we've not done. Perhaps something in our intention, something in our character that we need to allow God to change. It's allowing God to cut out the things in our lives that are offensive. It's a delicate and intimate surgery. I've got uh, quite an old car. Every time it goes for an MOT, it seems to need welding back together. And uh, quite often it involves cutting out rust. And uh, when it comes to rust, unless you cut the rust out completely, it's going to come back. So you can mask over it, you can, you can sort of scrub it off a bit, you can put some filler over it, you can respray it. It won't be long before it starts rebubbling. Because when the rust is there, it's not going away. And so it is a bit with confession. When we come to God in confession and seek his forgiveness, we resolve to allow him to cut out of us the rust, the offense, 
through a change in mind, heart, and lives. We call that repentance. In this time of prayer and facing up to things, we're saying to God, I'm going to allow you to do some intimate work on me and cut out the rust. Why? Because I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to see you at work in my life. I want to live the best life you've made for me. So this is an opportunity as we pray to come as we are to receive God's forgiveness in humility and to become more and more like Christ. And that's his desire for us, for you and for me. So pray. Finally, look forward. Look forward. Ultimately, this is about what's going to look different tomorrow, having spent time in the presence of Jesus. It might be that you need to, to now make amends. You need to, to make an action, do an action to make peace with someone. It might be that the next time you come across that situation, you're going to deal with it differently. Maybe it's asking someone for help or asking God for help with something. You might need help exercising patience if that's something that came up for you. It might be controlling a temper if that's something that came up for you. Whatever it is, you're not alone in that. Pick something and ask God to help you in the day ahead to live more for him, to live more like him. As we do this, as we build this rhythm, as we build this pattern, we become more like Jesus. And we get to do more of what Jesus did. But it takes time. It takes repetition. And the more we do it, the more we get to enjoy the benefits of a life with Jesus and being aware of his presence among us. But why should we do it? What's the point? Where is all of this going? Well, we'll start to notice that benefit, not just in our lives, but within the lives of others around us and within our community. We'll start to recognize the places where God is at work. We'll start to see opportunities where Jesus is present amongst us in ordinary people, those people that you are uniquely placed to be around, particularly around the hurting and the broken, those people who need to know the presence of Jesus in their own lives? What if we all took a little more time to engage with the unlikely people that we pass day by day? It's meeting Jesus in those places that will shape our participation as we seek the transformation of society. There's not a sector, not a place that you go, not a place that you work where Jesus cannot be found and where you cannot represent him well. We want to be a people who reach children and young people. We've said that before as a church because Jesus deeply cares about them and he cares about the stuff that they're facing up to today in their lives. All the stuff that's being thrown at them through social media, the things that come to them through the prevailing culture. We're left with a group of children and young people who are facing high anxiety, confused about their identities. Jesus cares about them. Jesus is amongst them. And so often we are too. And if we're willing to engage in our schools, be present in our youth clubs, then we'll get to see Jesus at work amongst that people group. We'll get to be those people who represent him well. And that can start right now. You know, if, if God has placed it on your heart to work with children and young people, we'd love to chat with you because we're meeting them day in, day out, even just through the life of the church. And you might work in that sector as well. And God has uniquely placed you to be a blessing there.
Alpha, we found. And if you've not done Alpha before, just going to plug it. Get yourself signed on to Alpha. We've run Alpha here nine times now. Alpha is such a revealing tool, I find. I saw that this week within our small group. People were just speaking so openly and vulnerably about the things that they are going through within their lives. And yet, we're seeing where God is breaking through for them on just deeply personal levels. And again, what would it mean for you to be involved in Alpha? For you to be someone who can help lead someone to a place of encounter with the love of God? The more we do it, the more we see people encountering Jesus and lives being transformed. And I think we see it here within the life of the church. As God's people gathered and then scattered, godly leaders are not just vicars, not just those within our staff team. Being sent out into different locations, different vocations, different contexts to be the hands and feet of Jesus amongst your neighbours, amongst your colleagues, amongst your classmates. For some of you, you're here right now because God is planting seeds of potential in your life. He's on your case. He's speaking to you and he's got wonderful plans and purposes for your life. There is so much potential when we can take the opportunity to stop and see the work of Jesus in our lives. And I'm just going to finish by reading again that passage from Jeremiah. Because of course, none of this is new. It was the prophet Jeremiah who gave us inspiration just in this passage to push into new ways of thinking and living when he says this, stand at the crossroads. I wonder what crossroads you're at today. And look, ask for the ancient paths where the good ways lie and walk in it and find rest for your souls. If we want our daily lives to be shaped by the presence of Jesus with us, then we can, not by doing more stuff, not by getting all religious, but by giving God permission to investigate our lives and our days and our weeks and asking him to change us by his Holy Spirit, bit by bit, day by day, as we walk in his ways, as we practice a life of prayer and ask for the ancient paths so that we might ultimately see lives and communities transformed. Would you like that for yourself? Why don't we ask for that now?